Chapel of the Harbor. Join us now as Pastor Joe teaches from the book of Proverbs, chapter 23. Proverbs 23, uh, again, these are uh, the sayings of Solomon, the wisest man that ever lived, besides Jesus, that is. We've been gleaning off these wise sayings, and many of these Proverbs are warnings. And tonight, I, I believe there's a lot of warnings here. So, you know, we're always to take heed whenever there's a warning. We're, we're to pay attention because the Lord won't warn us for nothing. You know, so there's warnings here. So I'm sure it applies to every one of us here. If uh, you are not affected by this chapter, please see me after the service because I want to check your spiritual pulse. Because it's going to hit every one of us. Uh, you'll see. So warnings here in these wonderful Proverbs, uh, they, they've been so exciting, and I'm so excited to dive in. So let's go ahead and do just that. Proverbs chapter 23, verse 1. And Solomon writes, When you sit down to eat with a ruler, consider carefully what is before you, and put a knife to your throat if you are a man given to appetite. Do not desire his delicacies, for they are deceptive food. I believe this proverb uh, is pointing out that we're to be careful when we eat with someone of importance or someone inf- that has influence. Uh, they may be buying your food or giving you, uh, you know, an expensive meal because they want uh, to, you know, bribe you or, or get, you know, get you to do something that's deceptive. And you know, we need to be careful. You know, we need to be careful that we're not manipulated by others. There's people I, I notice that have a personality that they're followers. And we look out for those because they're easily influenced. It's sad. Sometimes I, I see young kids and I see, you know, that personality where they're so easily influenced. And if they're with this crowd, they're doing, you know, whatever that crowd's doing. If they're another, with another crowd, they're doing what that crowd's doing. And, and this is a warning for us not to be deceived, not to, you know, not to be influenced like that, to, to guard over that, to, you know, we're, we're to be influenced by the Lord. We're to stand against those that want to be deceptive with us. So if you have that type of personality where you're a follower, you better get with the right crowd because there's some out there that are going to try to deceive you. They might buy you things. They might buy you expensive things to get you to do certain things. And I just want to, you know, exhort you according to this, uh, it's saying, don't desire their delicacies. Don't go after that. They're deceptive. And, and, and there's a warning there. I can't help, when, you know, thinking of this, delicacies and rulers. Uh, what does it make you think of? You know, think about that. You know, delicacies and the rulers. I, I think of Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And I, I think about their wonderful story. Remember, they were young men and they were taken captive to Babylon. They were Hebrew uh, young men and they were you know, taken captive and they were, they were taken to Babylon. And it said they were trained up for three years. 
They were trained in the king's palace. They were smart young men, and they were handpicked for the king to be like his upcoming wise men. And remember, for the three years, they were given a portion, and it was called the king's delicacies. In other words, they were given whatever the king was to eat. They were given, check that out. They were, you know, whatever the, the delicacies of the king they were, you know, I believe it was like an impressive thing for these guys. Like, you know, here I know you've come from a far land, but you guys are wise. We see, you know, we see you guys are real wise. But check this out. We're going to feed you like kings. And think how tempting that would be for these young men to think, you know, we're, we're priming you guys to be the, the king's wise men. But if you recall the story, remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? And remember what Daniel did? You know, they, first off, the delicacies, the delicacies of the king, it, was not, it wasn't kosher for them. There were things that they were eating that, that the law said, don't eat that stuff. So I just love that story that Daniel, you know, went to the eunuch, the chief eunuch. Remember that story? He went to the chief eunuch and he basically says, hey, you know, we can't eat this stuff. We don't want the king's delicacy. Remember what the chief eunuch said? The chief eunuch, he said, you know, are you trying to... Have the king cut my head off? If I, if I let you guys, you know, not eat all this delicacy, you guys get skinny and you guys, you know, you're not going to look as healthy as the other guys. The king's going to find out I allowed you to do that and I'm going to get killed. Remember what Daniel said? I love Daniel was so wise. I could just see Daniel just listening like this and, and praying the whole time saying, okay, God, what do I do now? And Daniel says, well, how about this? Why, why don't we just eat vegetables? And why don't we just eat, you know, drink water for 10 days? And, and, you know, check us out after 10 days. If we start to look unhealthy, then we'll go ahead and eat the king's delicacies. Remember that? And after 10 days, it says those young men. It's found in Daniel chapter 1, by the way. Please don't turn there. We're going to move on. But and you can look it up later. But um, after 10 days, it says those young men look health, looked healthier in appearance than all the other ones. And then it even went on to say that God gave them such wisdom and understanding like none other. And I look at that, it fits, to me it fits these three verses perfectly. We're not to desire his delicacies for they are deceptive foods. And, and I think it would have been a strong influence. Personally, I, I look at the story of Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and Daniel. I think it would have been a strong influence on them to pull them away and say, well, yeah, you know, they could have pulled them away and said, yeah, I know your law says that, but come on, you're in a different land. Nobody's around here. It could have pulled them a little away from the things of the Lord, and it could have been deceptive for them where, where these other rulers would have had, a, you know, maybe just a, a little hold on these guys. But these guys said, no, sorry, we're going to obey the king of kings. And with that, I just want to exhort all of us as I look at these three verses to say, why don't we do our best to stay away from the delicacies of this world? If the Bible says it's wrong, let's, let's, let's make a stand and say it's wrong. And, and the other thing I want to point out before we get too far back in verse 2, it says, and put a knife to your throat. I, I believe what it's saying, this is serious stuff. So when the delicacies of this world come our way, in other words, he doesn't see, it's not a literal, you just cut your throat, but it's, it's, I believe it's a picture. It's so serious that you don't do that, that it, it, you might as well just die. And you should have that seriousness about sin and things that are, are the world's delicacies. We should have that. And I think sometimes, possibly, when we walk with the Lord a while and we're like, well, you know, we're not so sensitive. When, remember when you first came to know the Lord? It's like, whoa, back. It's like, get away from me. I don't want that. It's bad. I don't want that. Then after a while, you're like, well, it's not so bad. And you taste a little bit of this. It's like, oh, it didn't really affect me. And I, I could do that every once in a while. And next thing you know, it has hold of you again. It's deceptive. 
And I believe there's a warning here. Don't fall for the delicacies of the world. Take it serious. Especially you young people here that are here. Thank you for being here, guys. Take it serious. When deceptive things come your way, when sin comes your way, you know, take it serious. Say, no, sorry. Be leaders. Like young Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They made a stand. They said, no, sorry, we're not going to do that. And I want to encourage you guys, do that. Make a stand. Don't go after that stuff. It's a great verse, the three verses for that. Don't desire those delicacies. They're deceptive. Verse 4. Do not overwork to be rich. Because of your own understanding, cease. Will you set your eyes on that which is not? For riches certainly make themselves wings. They fly away like an eagle toward heaven. Don't overwork to be rich. Another warning. Don't allow money to be your God. I think you can kind of summarize that part. Don't be consumed with riches. Before I knew the Lord, I fell in that category. I was consumed with making money. I was you know, in business and made my way up the ladder of success and you know, ended up you know, general, managing, general manager of a, a, a company and all. And, and, but it, you know what? It mastered me. I was a, a workaholic. You know, it mastered my life. I didn't, you know, looking back on it, I can see it did. But, you know, just a warning. Don't, don't allow, you know, you see people, we see that every day, don't we? People are just so consumed with their careers and so consumed with, you know, making money. And they're not at all interested in the things of God. But it's a warning for us as believers not to get consumed with the riches of this world. Someone once said, money can be a wonderful servant but it's a terrible master. Money can be a wonderful servant, but it's a terrible master. In other words, if you use it to serve you, it's wonderful. If you use it to help people, you use it to further the kingdom of God, you use it for, you know, for good things, it's a wonderful servant. But once it masters you, look out, you're in trouble. So just a warning. Is it, before we get too far, it's, it's not saying money's evil. So, you know, don't, some people go to the other extreme thing. Money's evil. You know, pull a $100 bill out of your pocket. Back, get, get away from it. Money's, money's not evil. It's the love of money that's evil. So throughout the Proverbs, there's that warning of being, you know, try, being consumed with riches. And here's a, a great warning. But check out the other part of it. Verse 5. Will you set your eyes on that which is not? In other words, what it's, I believe it's saying it's, it's going to disappear anyhow. It's going to fly away like, like, like an eagle flies away. Money just comes and goes anyhow. So why get so consumed with it? You know, and I love that. When, you know, if you're a person that's consumed with riches and consumed with money, you know, typically the Lord you know, stops giving you monies because you're, you're too consumed with it. But those that are not consumed with it, just look, it's just money. So what? You just give it away and just, you know, okay, that's to buy this. That's to help with that. That's it. And then if you're not consumed with it, then God usually blesses those with more. So I love the picture, don't you? For riches certainly make themselves wings and fly away like an eagle. Don't, isn't the eagle on the dollar bill? It's interesting, huh? <laughs> Verse 6. Do not eat the bread of a miser, nor desire his delicacies. For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. Eat and drink, he says to you, but his heart is not with you. The morsel you have eaten, you will vomit up and waste your pleasant words. A miser 
The word literally means an evil, an evil eye, having an, a person with an evil eye. It's speaking, it speaks of someone that's stingy, and I believe more, more than just stingy. This miser, I believe, in context here, it's, it's someone that doesn't care about others. So try to understand it. Okay, so don't eat with this miser, eat his bread, nor desire his delicacies, because in his heart, he's not with you. So beware of those type of people that do that. Verse 9. Do not speak in the hearing of a fool, for you will despise the wisdom of your words. A fool. You don't want to speak in the hearing of a fool. Be careful who you share with. Interesting that word despise could be scorn or belittle. So I think the warning is don't waste your time with someone that wants to argue with you. They, they want to, you know, have an argument. There's, interest, I just want to, May 18th was our nine-year anniversary that we started uh, Calvary Chapel of the Harbor back at the Women's Club. And just what a blessing, you know, to, to these last nine years. And through the years, you know, just amazing, just to see the, the work of the Holy Spirit, to see the work of what God's doing in, in people's lives. And watching, you know, the hand of the Lord has been just something else. And occasionally, very rarely, but occasionally you'll, you'll get, we'll get people in that'll come in and they, they, you know, want to argue. They'll go in and try to waste your time and just argue and, ar- you know, and create problems with you. And thank God we don't have that very often. <laughs> but I, I believe that we have to watch as a church that there's those that are sent by the enemy. And even when I was at Calvary Costa Mesa, interesting, we used to get, there's people that would call Calvary Costa Mesa when we were there, the prayer lines and stuff. And, and they would call and consume a pastor. And then they would call back and consume another pastor and call back. And, con- and finally, our, us pastors at one of our meetings, we got together and we're like, I talked to that person on Monday. And the other pastor says, I talked to that person on Monday at, at 12 o'clock. There was, I talked to him at 1 o'clock. Another guy says, I talked to him at 2 o'clock. The other one says, I talked to him at 3 o'clock. The other one says, I talked to him at 4 o'clock. We went around the loop. This person talked with every one of us. And the counsel we were giving them, we, we talked about it. We're all kind of like giving them the same counsel, and they didn't listen to any one of us, and they're just consuming, consuming. We're like, well, this is interesting. So this warning here is there's going to be some that are, that are despisers, that are going to scorn and belittle, and, and they're time wasters. They, they, they try to get you, and it's almost like a hook. They try to hook you in, and they just continue and continue, and then they get you going, and then you're like, well, you know, and then sometimes it'll even consume your time and consume you. I remember another time when we were going house to house when we uh, first started the work. We were knocking on doors and telling everybody, you know, we're new here, da-da-da, there are churches. And I remember one time I was with one of the, the assistant pastors, and uh, we, we went to this one house, and this person was arguing with us, going back and forth. What about this? And we're, we're excited. We're like, well, we'll show him the word this, and we're talking. You know, this is good. This is what he wants. But I really felt strongly in my, I felt the Lord kind of speak to my heart. This guy doesn't want to hear you. He, he wasn't listening to us. He wasn't. He, and I was thinking, I really believe we need to go to the next house. And it was strong. And, you know, the, and I was like, I says, hey, I'll, I'll be right back. And I think there was three of us at the time. I said, I'll be right back. I went to the next house. I said, you know, guys, you want to you know, talk? That's good. Went to the next house, knocked on the door at the next house. And before long, the next thing you know, we're praying for this person to receive Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. And I believe the Lord showed me right there. It says, Joe, there's going to be some that are going to try to prevent you from doing what I've called you to do. A servant of the Lord is not to be quarrelsome. And I want to read you just what Paul said to Timothy in 2 Timothy 2, verses 23 through 26. 
He said, but avoid foolish and arrogant disputes, knowing that they generate strife. And a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, able to teach, patient, in humility, correcting those who are in opposition. If God perhaps will grant them repentance so that they may know the truth and that they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil, having been taken captive by him to do his will. Another verse, if you're taking note to add to that, Jesus said in Matthew 7, 6, Do not give what is holy to the dogs, nor cast pearls before swines, lest they trample them under their feet and turn and tear you in pieces. We need the empowerment. We need the Holy Spirit in mighty ways in these last days to, to give us that discernment that we need because how are we going to know who is the one that not, you know, not to talk to? How do we know the difference? And I believe it is a supernatural thing where the Lord by his Holy Spirit will show you because come on, I mean, think of this. When I was at the door, back to that story, I'm at the door with this person and I, I was going through that struggle a little bit like, is this God or am I just being, you know, is this, you know, is this really the Lord? But when I, when I really, you know, you know, prayed in my heart, my mind, I felt strongly it was the Holy Spirit saying, no, I want you to go on. Lord, help us not to spend much time in arguments for they will despise the wisdom of your words. Don't speak in their hearing. The Lord will show you. Verse 10, back in our Proverbs 23, verse 10. Do not remove the ancient landmark, nor enter the fields of the fatherless, for their Redeemer is mighty. He will plead their cause against you. Basically, don't take advantage of those that are less fortunate, because if you do, God himself will deal with you. That's a strong one, isn't it? <laughs> Did you get that? Verse 11 again. For their Redeemer, capital R, speaking of the Lord, is mighty, and he'll plead their cause against you. So don't take advantage of the fatherless. God is the father to the fatherless. Don't take advantage of those that are less fortunate. Go out of your way to help them. Apply your heart to instruction and your ears to the words of knowledge. A great exhortation to do what we're doing right now, receiving the instruction of the word and the knowledge of the word, and we're just sitting here hanging out. But apply your heart. Not only listen to it, but apply your heart to it. Apply those things that you're, that you're hearing. Do not withhold correction from a child, for if you beat him with a rod, he will not die. You shall beat him with a rod and deliver his soul from hell. It depends on how you read it. It could sound very cruel, can it? It was funny, I was, I was reading this last night before I went to bed. I was reading through this, and, and as I was reading, I says, you know, I'm gonna, this is how I was reading it to my wife, just to be silly. I says, do not withhold correction from a child. If you beat him <laughs> with a rod, he will not die. And I just went on, and I said, he, you shall beat him with a rod <laughs> and deliver his soul from hell. So if you read it like that, it sounds pretty cruel, but... I don't believe that's what it's saying. You know, it's not to be something that's cruel. It's to be a corrective way, you know, to if your son or daughter or, you know, if they're, they're unruly, they need to be corrected and not to be spoiled. Um, a disciplined, the disciplined child is the most loved child. Really, I mean, you think about, think through that for a minute. The disciplined child is the most loved child. When you, when you see a parent not taking the time to discipline their children, it's like they're not really loving them. They're not taking the time, and they're, they're loving themselves more than the, their child. 
because they don't want to deal with it. They, they don't want to you know, deal with that, you know, the discipline that it takes. And really, they're loving themselves. They're not loving their children. But when you love your child, you're going to take the time to correct them. We talked about this last week. You know, it's not, you're just, you know, it's never you're venting on your children because you're so upset. If it, don't correct your child if you're upset and you're going to just vent on them. That's not at all what you do. But you're correcting them because you love them and you see they're going the wrong way and they need to be corrected. And you sit them down and talk with them and say, well, if this happens again, you know, you're going to get a spanking. If it happens again, you know, do you understand that you're doing this wrong? And you're teaching them. Remember we looked at last week, train up a child in the way he should go and when he grows old, he won't depart. The training is, is, is showing them, being an example, but then when they're not going that way, then you, you teach them. You show them. Correction, it's saying, will not kill the child. But check this out. But if you're not correcting him, it might kill him and bring eternal death. Separation from God for all eternity. That's heavy. That's strong. And that's a big responsibility. To realize that you know, if you, allow to, if you allow them just to do what they want and get away with everything and just you know, do their own thing, you could possibly, you might be training them in a way that they might just walk away from God for all eternity and not desire the things of the Lord. God corrects the ones he loves. If there's anyone in here that is not receiving the correction of the Lord, I fear for you. I'm serious. If you're not receiving a correction from God, then that's a, that's a terrible place to be because the Bible says that you're illegitimate. In other words, you're not his child. God corrects me. When I was growing up, I hated it. I get caught. Everything, I try to do something wrong, I get caught. I knew it was God. My mother passed away when I was five months old, and I, I believe with all my heart the Lord showed me on her deathbed she dedicated me to the, the work of the Lord. And I didn't understand that when I was young. And I would do something, I'd get in trouble, and I'd get caught instantly. And I would talk to God and say, why do I always have to get in trouble? Nobody else is getting in trouble. I always get in trouble. And I would argue with God. Now I'm looking at, wow, he, boy, did he love me. <laughs> and he corrects the ones the Bible says he chastens. He corrects those that he loves. He corrects. So again, if you're not being corrected by God, that's a very scary place to be. And if you're, if you're in sin right now, you're practicing sin, you're not convicted, you're not, you know, and you're, you're just going through the motions, that's a very scary place to be in. And if I was you, if I was in your shoes, I would cry out to God and say, Lord, I want to be your child. And he'll correct you, but he's doing it because he loves you and he knows the right way to go. And he knows what's good for us. And that's the example for us as we raise up our children and train them up. God corrects us. Verse 15, My son, if your heart is wise, my heart will rejoice. Indeed, I myself, yes, my inmost being will rejoice when your lips speak right things. Solomon is speaking here about his son. He's like, son, if your heart's wise, I'm going to rejoice. Parents here, I'm sure you can say yes and amen to this. When your children are walking in the ways of God and they're, they're speaking about the things of the Lord, isn't that a, a great thing? Isn't, I'm, I'm, I can just imagine. I can't even imagine how that would be. As I'm looking at some here that have children that are in ministry and 
just how that must feel, just having your children, just serving the Lord and speaking the things of God. And Solomon saying that, he says, you know, I'm going to rejoice. If your heart is wise and you're speaking right things, I'm rejoicing. Do your best. I'm sure you are, but just exhorting you again, just pour into those children of yours. Pour into them. Solomon says, my heart will rejoice indeed. I myself, yes, my inmost being will rejoice when your lips speak right things. I can relate with God. The throne of mercy It's the sound of our singing praise It's the sound of our singing praise You have been listening to Glory to Glory with Pastor Joe Pettit and Outreach of Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. If you would like to enter into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, call now at 714-788-8221. That's 714-788-8221. We'd like to extend an invitation to visit us here at Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. Our address is 16450 Pacific Coast Highway in Huntington Beach, California, 92649. We're located in Peter's Landing Marina in Huntington Harbor. Our service times are Tuesday evenings at 7 p.m. and Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. Now, may we continue to go to His throne of mercy as He changes us from glory to glory. As we come to Your throne of mercy, it's the sound of our singing praise. It's the sound of our singing praise.